0: On a particularly Monday e Monday last month, I hit a wall at like three o'clock in the afternoon. I was so tired. I tried to get myself into another client project and like answer that email. Come on, Emily, just like make that phone call. But I could not bring myself to do any of those things. So finally, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go lay down on my bed and take a nap, thinking that what I needed was probably some physical rest. But then I decided no. You know what? I'm going to do one better. I am going to do a story time hypnosis replay from my friend Karen Kenny. So I laid down and I did the hypnosis, which if the word makes hypnosis makes you feel weird, it's like NSDR, non-sleep, deep rest, or yoga nidra. Okay, it's just a chance to calm the mind, quiet the sensory overload, and relax in a guided way. Well, when I finished, I felt way better than had I had taken a nap. I felt so energized. I felt creatively restored. I feel like I filled my mental, spiritual, sensory, and physical rest buckets all in one. And I actually ended up finding like a burst of inspiration. So I sat down and from there, I wrote an entire email. I started drafting up some of my notes for my content with character podcast. And then I continued on into my evening and ended up having a very connected and lovely conversation with my husband, Jason which then went on to fill my emotional rest bucket as well. So if you're like, ooh, that sounds like exactly what I need, Emily, um, I will make sure that I include the link to Karen's Storytime Hypnosis in the show notes. I've been so grateful for these Storytime Hypnosises, and she has them now available in a shop as recorded audio. So you can just purchase the recordings and listen to it whenever you want. But I've been really, really grateful for the Storytime Hypnosis because it's just an opportunity to Deeply rest my brain, my body, my spirit, my heart like all the things. And I think what today's episode is going to do is what I hope it's going to do is to inspire you to look at your own life and see where and how you can start adding in more rest too. And this I don't think I knew before sitting down with today's guest. Like, I didn't know that there are more than just one type of rest. I don't think I was really aware of all the different types of rest we as humans actually need. Like, I always just think if I'm tired, I need to get more sleep. But there are actually seven different types of rest that we as humans need. And depletion in one of those areas, it can take a toll in different ways in your life. So sometimes, even when I'm sleeping well at night and eating well and exercising and taking my walks in the woods and journaling and like seemingly doing all the things, I still feel utterly exhausted. And it can be confusing because I'm like, I slept really good, so why do I feel so tired? But I don't think I'm alone in this feeling. And so, because of that, I was very curious about, like, well, how can we really restore and rejuvenate ourselves? Like, what am I missing? So, I wanted to dive into it a little bit more because the reality is, during most days, a lot of our social reserves get tapped out as entrepreneurs. Um, our creative reserves are like constantly pouring forth. Our mental and emotional load—it's kind of a lot. Like, for me, some days I will admit that is self-induced, but my mental emotional load is kind of a lot, and. We're not always the ones who are directly in charge of our sensory input. Sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. So because I wanted to know more about this and how we can feel more restored, because I really think that is one of the huge keys to being more joyful and peaceful and living a loving life. Um, I wanted to bring in an expert. So in this episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Sundra Dalton-Smith, an eternal medicine physician, and we're going to be talking about the importance of rest and recovery. I love Dr. Sundra's new perspective. She brings to the table that there are actually seven types of rest that we need to look at in our lives to find out where our own personal rest deficiency lies. She offers some really practical ways to incorporate rest into our lives And she has a little quiz. And you know, I am all you know, you all know I am a super, super fan of quizzes. So I took the quiz um, to see kind of where I could be focusing a little bit more on rest in my life. And my rest areas were that I need a little bit more emotional rest. Uh, Yes, the freedom to authentically express my feelings and eliminate people pleasing behaviors. And I also need a little bit more spiritual rest, which she gives some uh, examples of what that might look like because it might not be what you think. So if you want to share your results with me, I am super uh, game and curious to hear and you know you can always just email me emily at emilyaborn.com. But for now, I just want you to enjoy this episode. So I'm just gonna quickly tell you about Dr. Sundra and then we'll get into the um, interview. As I said, she is a board-certified internal medicine physician. She's also a speaker and award-winning author. She's an international well-being thought leader, fe- featured in numerous media outlets, including Prevention, MSNBC, Women's Day, Fox, Fast Company, Psychology Today, Inc., CNN, Health, and TED.com. Um, she's the author of numerous books, including her bestseller, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And I'm going to make sure that the link for that is in the show notes. But really, the book is all about this insight on these seven types of rest and how focusing on them can optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, or I like to say joy, overcome burnout, and as I said, just really, truly live your best life. So you will be able to learn more about Dr. Sundra at drdaltonsmith.com. I'll put that link in the show notes and her free quiz, her free assessment is also going to be um, restquiz.com. That will be in the show notes too. I hope that this episode gives you some ideas and permission, if you're one of those people that need it, to just deeply rest. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi, Dr. Sundra, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm really excited about this conversation as a weary, <laughs> as a weary soul. I'm excited to learn more about rest and how we can get more of it as entrepreneurs. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get started, I always like to hear a little bit more about like your backstory and how you sort of came to do what you do. So would you mind indulging my curiosity and just telling us a little bit more about you? Yeah. So I'm an internal medicine physician.
1: I've been in clinical practice. Uh, For about 20 years now, um, about 10 years or so into practice, a little bit more than that, actually, I um, started to burn out. I got to a place where I was right after I had um, my two sons and really got to a place where I was not having very good work-life integration. And so that led me down the journey of researching how do you continue in a tough profession um, when you have a lot of responsibility? How do you restore yourself without taking vacations, without quitting your job, without all the things that we typically think of um, for burnout prevention? And that led to the research and the work that I now do related to rest and recovery.
0: And what have you sort of found? Like, why are we as business owners, as professionals, as entrepreneurs, like, why is everybody so tired? And and I do hear that word burnout um, thrown around a lot. So what's kind of the difference between just being exhausted and tired and maybe being burnt out?
1: Yeah. So, well, eventually the World Health Organization actually defined burnout for us to be able to have some parameters around it. And so the three ways that they identify it is first that you are fatigued. So fatigue is a symptom, but it's not the full Breath of what burnout looks like. So the number one is that you feel fatigued most of the time. Number two is that you no longer have joy or pleasure in the work that you do. And then the third is that the work that you do is at a lesser level of what you're capable of. So you're not actually pouring out from your best, you're, you're, you're completing tasks, you're doing work, but it's not actually the best work you could do. It's at a much lower capacity. So those are some of the three ways that they have quantified how someone can identify that they're burned out. And I think we have a lot of people who are functional burnouts, So they may not identify themselves as such, um, but they are exhausted from de- when they get to work. They're not happy about their job. That's why I think we had a mass exodus of people from work for that reason. And then the work that they do is kind of let me just do the bare minimum of what I have to do to get this paycheck. And it's there's not a lot of pride or energy placed into the
0: work, I feel because of this reason. Why do you think that is happening and why do you think it's becoming more and more prevalent? I mean, I'm assuming it's becoming more prevalent. Maybe we're just hearing more about it. But to me, it seems like it's becoming more prevalent <laughs>
1: Yeah, hard to tell if it's because people are more vocal now or not, but but absolutely, it's, it's very prominent right now in our society. And I think a big part of it is we just have lost all respect for rest. We are a society that's built around respecting work and productivity, and we have really lost all respect for the restorative process and the need for rest and recovery in our lives. And so it looks like the lesser of the two. And so it oftentimes gets pushed to the side as, well, if I have time, then I will you know, do something rest or fun or restorative or playful, Uh, you know, and the reality is there's always work to be done. You know, if that's that's the criteria we're using for rest and recovery, that we're going to work, you know, we're going to wait till the work's done or we have extra time, it's never going to happen. And so that's where we find most of ourselves in a kind of this perpetual cycle of work, work, work with no place
0: or strategy for recovery. I am such a work before play girl. So I'm I'm totally hearing you here. Um, Okay. One of the things I put on my, like I make like a sort of list of everything that I want to happen every month. Okay. So I'm like thinking about July. Right. And I'm like, one of the things on my list is that I want to feel more energy in July. Like I want to feel more energized. So I'm just curious, like in your own words, because that's kind of a nebulous term, like, Oh, I want to feel more energized. What does that even really mean? So I would love to hear in your words, like how you define energy. Cause I think you have a really like unique definition for it. And I want to hear.
1: Yeah. You know, for me, energy is simply the power to perform. And so whether that's the power to perform work, the power to perform play, the power to perform healthy relationships, we use energy in so many different ways. And it's, it's having the, the sustainability to produce and perform at whatever level that is. And so I think that's, that's why sometimes when someone says, well, I have a lot, you know, that person's really high energy, they perform and they produce at a higher capacity than someone who is at a low energy level.
0: And when that well feels like it's just run dry, um, I guess what do we need to refill it besides just sleep? Because I think we all probably sleep every night, for the most part.
1: Yeah. So, um, so absolutely, I think for you know, sleep is one of those things where that's where we put most of our eggs in the basket. You know, totally. I'm tired. I need to sleep, and sleep is absolutely important. But I think the the disconnect is that uh, a lot of us have kind of combined this thought of sleep and rest as if they're the same thing and they're not the same thing. So sleep is a form of rest. It's a type of rest, but there are other types as well. And so for me, sleep is primarily a physical, passive physical type of rest, whereas we have, you know, seven other types that I talk about in my book, Sacred Rest, that if we just focus on sleep, we're in essence omitting these other areas that still can get depleted and drained and need to be energized.
0: Yeah. I think we do focus a lot on that sleep one. So let's talk about the other seven. Why don't you share with me um, what those other seven different types are? Cause it's like a whole new world for me and how we can start implementing those into our lives.
1: Yeah. So uh, the seven types include the physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative with physical, as I mentioned, having two components, there's the passive, which is sleeping and napping. And then the active component of physical rest, which include those things that really just help your body feel better. So, those things that help with uh, body ergonomics, that help with flexibility, that help with circulation, lymphatic drainage, all of those types of things. And so, you know, looking at these seven, each one, as you mentioned, is kind of its own bucket um, where energy can be drained. And if energy can be drained, then it, also may need will need to have opportunities for filling. And so I think that's part of the the breakdown of how we use that kind of proprietary work is specifically looking at not just are you're tired, but what kind of tired are you? Where is it that the energy and how you use your energy in your life is getting depleted in a way that you may not have thought through ways of pouring back into that specific area?
0: Do you mind if we walk through them all and sort of talk them out? So we have the physical and I think that the ways to kind of re-energize that we've talked about sleep, um, probably yoga, massage, like body work, like you said, like ergonomic things. Um, And then keep can we keep walking through and sort of talk about different ways that we might refill that cup?
1: So mental is primarily looking at the how do we kind of calm our mental space and clear it so that we're not um, we don't have the, the busy brain syndrome where our minds kind of going through the loops at night when we're trying to sleep. Um, also, you know, someone with a mental rest deficit may notice that they are more forgetful, they're they're having a harder time concentrating and focusing. And so some ways to restore that, let's say if you're the person who, you know, you lay down at night and your mind's just running, you know, you're thinking all the thoughts and going through your to-do list, doing something as simple as a brain dump can be very helpful with that. And that when you jot down whatever those thoughts are that you're ruminating over, you break that cycle and you you give your brain permission to release the information because you've placed it on something concrete and so now it's not responsible anymore for holding on to that information all night long it can release it and you can go into deeper levels of sleep um other ways include mindfulness activities. Each one of these has you know, numerous ways, but I'll just give one for each just <laughs> for sake of time. Um, spiritual rest deals with looking at how the need we all have to feel we belong, to feel that we're a part of something bigger, that our life has meaning and purpose. And so whether you experience that through a faith-based system, or if you experience that through some type of cause or community or organization or volunteerism. So lots of different ways of engaging with that everything from prayer to, uh, as I mentioned, volunteering with a cause that's meaningful to you and you feel like you're giving back. Um, But it's that kind of contribution to the greater good and the interconnectivity that occurs with that.
0: Do you think Um, that being in nature could be considered a form of spiritual rest? Actually, being in nature is a form of creative rest. And Ooh, so
1: okay. creative rest um, is is allowing yourself to appreciate beauty in whatever form that is, whether it's natural beauty or man-made beauty like music and theater and art and those types of things. And so nature falls into that. Um, a lot of people feel restored around bodies of water or, you know, in certain for- forests and trees and flowers and all of those things. Um, the thing about creative rest that many people are are surprised about, Typically, when we think about creative energy, we're only thinking about Artists or musicians, or people who are graphic designers, or things like that, where we can automatically kind of tap in on, hey, that's a creative process that they're using. But problem solving is a creative process. And so, if you're someone, if you're a teacher having to teach a student who learns with auditory prompts and one who learns with visual prompts, you're having to use creativity to teach them both in the same classroom. If you're a physician and you're having to diagnose taking bits of information and coming together with a solution, problem solving is a creative process. And so most of us solve a lot of problems throughout the day, but we don't appreciate the creative nature of the, the way we're using ourselves. And so we deplete this area. And we think that, you know, enjoying the outdoors and doing those other things are, have no benefit. And they really do. They help to inspire us. They help to reawaken that childlike awe and wonder. And they help to pour back into that creative well.
0: What about like doing a puzzle or Sudoku or crossword or stuff like that? Like, where does that kind of fall in?
1: For some people, it, it really just depends on what is The process. So let's say if you're doing a puzzle, and that puzzle is allowing you to focus your attention on one single activity, I lump that into actual mental rest. So it's Mm. no different. It's almost a form of mindfulness. You know, when we think about mindfulness, we oftentimes think about meditation as the only way to practice mindfulness. And that's just not true. That's why so many people don't do it because they don't like meditating. Um, However, you know, something like jogging or lifting weight can be mindfulness, because if you're jogging, you're focusing your attention down to single th- processes. You're thinking about your breathing. You're thinking about your cadence. You're not thinking all the thoughts because you've narrowed your attention down on a single focus. And that's the goal of mindfulness, focusing your attention in. And so puzzles and things like that, the reason they can help build the brain is because it focuses the attention to a level of concentration that most of us simply do not do anymore. We spend time multitasking with our brain, jumping from, you know, tab to tab on our computer or doing 15 things at one time. And so any activity that focuses the attention down is a form of mindfulness. And it does help brain health and those other things as well, as well as actually being a form of mental rest. It quiets the brain because it's not thinking all the thoughts.
0: I love that. So we have physical, mental, spiritual, creative. Uh, There's three more.
1: Yeah. So um, emotional rest looks at our feelings and how we're able to release them into safe places. And so um, whether that's a trusted friend, a counselor, a therapist, or pastor, whoever it is that you like to share your feelings with, we each need opportunities to be able to do that without having to be overly conscious and concerned with how those emotions are going to be received. Most of the time we keep our emotions kind of under, under tabs. And we, we, we filter them before we release them to people because of fear of shame and guilt or whatever else. And so we need to have those outlets where we're able to just be very open, real, raw and authentic about what we're feeling and the release that comes from that. A uh, social rest deals with the people in our life and how we engage with people. So the majority of people in our life are negatively pulling from our social energy. Um, and that doesn't mean they're negative people. It's just the nature of the relationship. So whether they are your kids and your family and your spouse or your coworkers or your clients, you know, they're all needing something from you. So then the question is, who are the people in your life who don't need anything from you, who you just enjoy being around? They enjoy being around you. They're life-giving. They pour back into you socially rather than always kind of pulling from you socially. Um, and then social rest also takes into account a little bit of the your own intrinsic personality, whether you're introverted, consider yourself introverted or extroverted, Um, Because then that'll determine how much of that time you need with people, because you may, you know, want some time as well. Social rest being that you're alone and you're in solitude and you just kind of spend some quiet time with yourself. Um, And then the final one is sensory rest and sensory rest is looking at your sensory inputs. Um, Mm. Our environment is sensory rich in general. Most of our most of us live and work and, you know, do our life in places where there's a lot of sensory rich opportunities. And so we tend to ignore those because we don't we are able to tune them out or zone them out. Uh, however, your body's still having to work to zone something out. I mean, your brain process it in order for it to zone it out. And so because there's energy being expended, even in the zoning out, so to speak, of whatever that noise or thing is um, it causes a depletion. So a lot of people have a sensory rest overload symptoms where they are, you know, the side effects usually are irritation, agitation, rage, or anger. It's the reason why road rage is in the evening and not in the morning, because we've all depleted our sensory reservoir. And now it's like, it's too much to, you know, to have to deal with that traffic at five o'clock in the evening. So with sensory rest, you want to take a look at the sensory inputs around you and see what are some ways I can downgrade some of these. You know, if your office is by an elevator and there's dinging all day long, an hour with some noise cancellation earbuds in might be what's called for just to have a moment of reprieve or maybe turning off the, the radio on the way home in that car so that you don't have the added sensory overload of music playing in the background or whatever it is that can ramp up your sensory overload even more.
0: So, okay. A couple questions. Um, if, Feels to me like this is there's a lot, right? It's like oh my god, now I have to do all of these things and I have to rest in all of these ways. So, are there ways to add this in, like on a day-to-day basis, where I'm not literally just going through like a checklist? Like, okay, did I get my physical rest today? Did I get my spiritual rest today? Did I get my emotional rest today? Like, I want to be able to build this into my everyday life so that I'm living a more restful lifestyle. And I'll just use Absolutely. as an example the social, like I make it a very concentrated effort to not have as many people in my life that are pulling from me negatively because that's something I've built in for myself. So like I don't want to get depleted in that area. Um, So I guess I'm looking for examples like that. Are there ways to like build it in so it doesn't feel like just like another box to check and more work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is, and that is always the goal. Um, you know, with, when we first introduced this to, well, my patients was where we first introduced it. When we first introduced it, the number one question people had was like, oh my God, there's seven things I got to do now. And it's like, no, what you actually need to do is identify your personal rest deficits. That's where restquiz.com came from, is that need for people to be able to quickly identify where are the areas that I need to focus on? Because it's, it's a very intentional process. Most of us already are, are doing some things naturally in one of these seven area, or more even of these seven areas. But there's typically one or two areas that we either didn't even, even know existed, like you've never thought about, let's say maybe creative rest or sensory rest or something. So because you haven't thought about it, you haven't been intentional in putting something in place. And so that's why restquiz.com, we send all of our patients initially through that, um, just to get a quick survey of where am I at in all of these seven areas. Once they're able to identify the one or two areas that they have the greatest level of rest deficit, then it's taking a look at what are some restorative processes that are natural to your own likes and personality and that can easily be fit back in just by being more intentional. Um, You know, it's the same work that we do when we work with corporations um, helping with their burnout prevention programs is looking at what are some things that can be done directly inside of the office that can help people kind of naturally layer in rest. So for example, if somebody, we work with a lot of tech companies, a lot of tech companies. And so Because they have sensory rest overload and oftentimes emotional rest deficits and a lot of other things just because of the natural personality of that group. And so uh, an example of incorporating creative rest, one thing that we've done in some companies that we collaborate with is we actually start looking at what are ways we can bring in art and and artistic expression into the workplace, whether that be... something like uh, an accent wall uh, that has like, uh, nature theme uh, or nature images or something like that or even the colors you know one of the interesting studies that we that we mentioned in the book sacred rest was about uh creative rest and it was that I think over 60 percent of people say that they experience creative rest around bodies of water well most of us don't live by an ocean or a lake and so that's kind of like okay great I gotta take a vacation and get creative rest well what they did was they took a look at the MRI of brains of people who said this was how they got creative of rest after they looked at the actual ocean, after they looked at a picture of the ocean, and then after they looked at colors of the ocean, not even the ocean, but just the aqua colors and the teals and the blues and the activity in the brain in that area was the same as it was at all three instances. Now, when they looked at grass, they got nothing. And so the good news of that is, is that you can bring your creative elements into your space without actually having to physically go there. So buy yourself flowers if that's how you get creative breath. Put an image of a your favorite beach scene on your lock screen of your computer so that it flashes up without you even thinking about it. Buy a beautiful piece of artwork that you include within where your home office is or what whatever you spend your time So that you're bringing in some of these elements without having to think about them every single time.
0: I love that. And that was going to be one of my questions is like, how can I just make my own workspace, like a little bit more restful feeling? I'm pretty intentional about mine. Like for example, I have a closet in front of me and it has a, a bookshelf in it and a whole bunch of like things I would use for work and I make sure that I put a curtain in front of that closet so that I'm not staring at that all day long because it's a little bit overstimulating, right? So it's just thinking about those things in your, like looking around your office space and thinking about like, what makes me happy, what makes me feel calm and what makes me feel peaceful in my everyday office space. And I love just that little, like it's, it's about these little tiny things. I think that rejuvenate us on a regular basis.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, and just looking at um, even in your energy expenditure timeframes, most of us have periods Mm -hmm. of the day where we just naturally are more energized, whether it's the coffee that you drink, I don't know what it is, but (laughs) we all have kind of our optimal time when it's like we feel our strongest, our minds, the clearest, and we're just happier, we're just ready to do work. You know, that's when you want to schedule the things that are most important to your career, the most important to your job. If your job is based around sales and talking to people and you're happier before 12, then you schedule all those calls (laughs) before 12 and you do your emails in the evening. I think time blocking and learning how our own internal rhythms of work and rest can be very helpful to actually optimize a lot of people, particularly entrepreneurs, when there are some parts of the job so to speak that are more taxing and stressful and energy depleting than others to look at your own energy flow now you know someone who energy peaks up after lunch they're you know they're more of a, a evening person you know that person should be doing all of their harder things in the evening rather than trying to force themselves to do it in the morning they're going to expend more energy fighting against their own natural rhythm. So I think there's a bit of self-discovery that has to happen in a work-life integration process so that we know our
0: own ebbs and
1: flows of energy.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, okay, and then I know one thing that we we didn't touch on a lot yet, but I do wanna make sure we talk about it is, you you mentioned the racing thoughts at night, and I know that is a struggle for sometimes falling asleep. I I my listeners know that I'm a big fan of the brain dump. Um, and I also have that where I sometimes will like be thinking about the entire day or the next day or something like that before I sleep. So I'm pretty dedicated to my brain dumps. But what are some other things that you recommend, like if sleep is the actual issue, like if physical rest is the thing that you're really just struggling with, um, what are some tips that you would offer to help people to get a better night's sleep? yeah so a couple, there's a couple
1: and that i've seen have been culprits for a lot of people one of them is the the um amount of light in the room where they're sleeping at um and and you know you may not actually have a light on or a night light or anything like that but even coming from your own clock i, I find a lot of people have their uh, alarm clocks with the blue or red lights on the you know blue or red numbers kind of facing them on the bed with the intention that if they wake up in the middle of the night they want to be able to quickly glance over and see what time it is. Unfortunately, those lights put off, they, they put off an admission. And so because even though your eyes are closed, you're still seeing some of that light. And the eyelids are not thick enough to completely block all of that light out. Some of us are very sensitive with our circadian rhythm and how our body responds to light. The circadian rhythm kind of resets when it sees light and you you don't go into deeper levels of sleep because the your hormones and your brain are saying, hey, I see light, it must be time to get up. And so making sure that you turn any alarm clocks or anything like that away from you. They're in the room. If you really needed to know what time it is, you could turn it around and take a look. But it shouldn't be shining in your face the entire time that you're trying to sleep. Um, the other thing is a lot of us are heat sensitive when it comes to sleep. And so if our temper if our body temperature, our core body temperature is high and we feel hot or uncomfortable, we're not going to get into deeper levels of non-REM sleep. And so, you know, when you're looking at the sleep cycle, the the non-REM has stages one, two, three all the way up to stage five, depending on which expert you listen to. And then you have REM. Well, you know, stage one is what I call like mommy sleep. It's like the if you've ever had a child and the child flips over in the bed and you're like, you're awake and there's no crying or anything. It's just you're super sensitive to every sound. Uh, Two would be like the child cries and then you wake up most of us stay in that realm, stage the lighter sleep, stages one and two, stages three and four are the deeper levels of sleep, where we are, you know, stage four being if you've ever driven a child around in a car and you get home and you take them out and they're like a floppy doll. It's like they are completely out. Um The reality is most adults don't get there. That is very hard to trust the world at that level to be able to get to stage four Mm -hmm. and stay there as long as children do. But we can get to stage three, which is where the restoration occurs. That's where the repleneration of cells and the nerve endings and all those things kind of get replenished. And so that's the level we're trying to get to. So um, we can get there if anyone has a, you know, I don't want to name apps but if anybody has any of the smart gadgets to monitor your sleep that are out there it tells you the amount of light sleep and the amount of deep sleep you're getting and chances are the amount of deep sleep you're getting is under an hour or between an hour to two hours of the eight hours that you're asleep so very small portion of that is spent in the restorative time because we spend so much in the lighter realms of sleep so you want to try to see if you can kind of inch up some of that deeper sleep, because that's when you're going to start feeling more restored. It's the reason why some people can say, I sleep five hours and I feel great. When you look at their percentage, they're oftentimes getting as much deep sleep as the eight hour person. The eight hour person is just spending a lot of time in that light sleep.
0: I'm like a nine hour person. (laughs) So, okay. I actually do want to, do you have a recommendation for an alarm clock? I'm like actively looking for an alarm clock that does not tick and also does not emit light unless you maybe touch it or tap it or intentionally make it emit light. Do you have any recommendation? For that? I
1: completely took all long clocks out of my rooms. So, okay. so we, so what the way that we tend to function with that is, is everybody keeps their cell phone somewhere near them. I don't think it's realistic to say, Oh, don't take your cell phone to, you know, have your cell phone anywhere near you. Um, especially if you have teen kids that are in college. So <laughs> It's going to be near me. So I put the cell phone um, by my bed upside down so that even if something can, and I turn all notifications off, it's just available, you know, except for for certain people try to break through it. Um, and so it's upside down. And so I set my alarms through the cell phone with a specific um sound. That is the sound of rain. I don't like beeping or tapping or anything to jerk me out of sleep. That's very disturbing first thing in the morning. And so the sound that comes on is an accelerating sound of, of rain of white noise, basically. And so it breaks through my sleep cycle in a way that is more gentle than just bom, 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 bom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the typical alarms that go off and just kind of jolt you right out of bed.
0: Okay. That's helpful. Um, all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I include a link to the restquiz.com as well as your book in the show notes. And I always like to just ask one sort of fun question as we wrap up and then give you an opportunity to share the way that people can get connected with you, learn more about you, read your book, listen to whatever, uh, whatever you have going on, like other podcasts and things like that. So, My fun question for you is, uh, tell me about a book that you are reading right now.
1: Well, I just, I picked it up actually. It's a book that a friend recommended and handed over to me to read. It's called the, um, let's see, what's the name of it? The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And she was like, you've got to read this. This is right up your alley. So I don't know what it's about. Sound intriguing to me. So I thought, okay, let's dive into that
0: that does sound intriguing. See, that's why I love asking this question because I um do you read books for fun as well? Um I do, but typically um most of my books for
1: fun are just audiobooks and and I treat them like movies. And so it's fiction audiobooks that I'm listening as I'm traveling or doing different things.
0: Yeah, fun. Um, I'm trying to make that more of a focus this year is like less self-help or less, you know, self-improvement kind of books and more just like fun and relaxing books because Mm -hmm. I can get so lost. Like you said, like you get into the story and it's like watching a movie and you look forward to getting back to it at the end of the day. So, um, all right. Dr. Sandra this was so helpful and i think that it was really eye opening to be able to see that there are more than just you know it's more than just sleep when it comes to rest like you're not just tired because you're not getting a good night's sleep there are all these other sort of things to look at in your life and areas that your energy might be kind of being drained from so identifying what those are and then taking like some action steps to fill those buckets for you um so i really loved this and i just I want to welcome you to share how to find and connect with you online. And then like any other resources that you have for people to learn more would be awesome.
1: Yeah. And I totally agree with you. I think rest is really the bridge to deeper and better quality sleep. When we have rest deficits in any of the seven area, it kind of makes it difficult for the body to wind down, to be able to get into those deeper levels. Um, my main website is drdaltonsmith.com. It's just drdaltonsmith.com. Um, From there, you can learn about the rest quiz. You can learn about all of my books, um, including Sacred Rest, as well as um, courses and trainings and other things that
0: we do uh, through our company. Awesome! Well, thank you so much. This was really helpful. And I loved the new, I just love new perspectives and new insights. So thanks for being my guest. Thanks for having me. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.